All right, are you ready for God's Word today? Why don't you grab your Bible and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Um, now, I believe in, now Paul writes Ephesians 4. Most scholarship is pretty uh, conclusive on that. And, and the fact that, well, I should say, I should say conclusive. We have consensus. So the consensus is a better word. There are some arguments that perhaps because of some of the language and whatnot um, that, that is used in Ephesians, maybe it wasn't Paul, but the, the writer identifies himself as Paul, and I, I think Paul wrote it. And um, in, in Paul's writings, like Romans, to me, is almost like his, um, what would you call it, like his magnum opus. I mean, it's like, it's like the most amazing thing I think Paul wrote, in my opinion. Um, but Ephesians is awesome too, because have you ever been to like, um, I, you know, any, I don't know, a, a city or a theme park where they have like a town, like maybe you went to New York. If you go to New York, you can go to top of the rock or you can go to the freedom tower, or you can go to the empire state building. And if you like go top of the rock, it's kind of cool because, you know, you can see all the way to almost the other side of central park and you see all the way. And so you can see, like, it gives you this view of the whole landscape. You understand? Ephesians is kind of like that. It's a concise summary of the whole landscape because Paul talks, the first three chapters are about how we believe. Uh, the, the next three chapters are kind of how we behave in a sense. And Paul covers like Christ and salvation and marriage. And I mean, community and relationship. I mean, and spiritual warfare, like he covers all of it in Ephesians. And so to me, it's an awesome book. He wrote in his first imprisonment. Most scholars believe he was imprisoned in Rome in the early 60s, uh, not 1960s. He wasn't at Woodstock, but he was like the 60s AD. And so, um, and so he writes it probably to, um, we know this because, so like one of the earliest kind of full, complete Bibles, if you will, that we have is called the Codex, Codex Sinaiticus. And, um, and from like the mid, what was that, the mid fourth, so about 350 to 370, somewhere in there it was. And codex just means it's how it's bound. So instead of being papyrus, you know, in a scroll, it was actually bound more like a book. Um, and it was actually discovered at Mount Sinai, and that's how I got the name Sinaiticus. But, but anyways, um, those earlier documents don't have in Ephesus, so it doesn't. So when Ephesians talks about Ephesus, they don't have that actual word in there. So probably this was more of a circular letter than to a specific church like the Ephesian church. It was probably a lot of churches in Asia Minor, but that would have been one. And so it's stayed in there because it still makes sense. Anyways, I know you were just sitting there and you were wondering this morning. And you're like, man, I hope he explains this stuff, you know. And, uh, and so you're, you're welcome. Anyways, um, and so why don't you stand with me? We're just going to read a few verses together. So we're in chapter 4. So this is kind of, the, kind of how we live the Christian life, if you will. And um, verse 11 is where we're going to pick up reading. Very familiar passage. Um, but it says, it was he who gave some. Everybody say some. some. He gave some, Right. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. Now, the reason we said some is because you don't need a lot of those people, right? You know, you don't need a lot of those people. Amen. Praise the Lord, right? Um, and then, Verse 12, to prepare God's people for works of service. All right, so let me just make this point really quickly. According to Paul, now, I'll, I, you know, this is the, the NIV. I'm using it today. I changed 
versions depend on what I'm emphasizing because different translations emphasize to me different things or they word things differently. Um, I was raised on Old King James, so a lot of times I can quote you the these and the thous and the for which cause and therefore. And, but um, anyways, and hither unto. I mean, there's a lot of words in King James that I like King James because it feels like they just made words up. And uh, I mean, but, and I do that a lot. Anyways, the point is this. It says, that, that he gave these apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists to, to equip the saints to do ministry. And I don't have time to preach it, but I just want you to understand, according to the Bible, you're not actually supposed to watch the pastors do ministry. You're supposed to do the ministry and let the pastors help you. Okay, according to the Bible. So if you're like, oh, I came to watch you do ministry, then you don't understand the Bible yet, and that's okay. That's why he gave some of us so we could help you understand so that you understand you have a great purpose and you have great significance in the body of Christ. And you don't have to be a pastor to have a purpose and you don't have to be a pastor to have a ministry and you don't have to be a pastor to be called by God and you don't have to be past- a pastor to be spiritually significant in the body of Christ. Right? Some of the most significant people I know have never stepped on a platform or preached, the, or preached a message in public, but they are so powerful and significant in the body of Christ. Are you with me? Just so we're clear, amen. Praise the Lord. And he did this so that the body of Christ may be built up. Did you notice the body of Christ gets built up when the, when the believers do ministry, not when the pastors do ministry? I'm just, we're just reading the Bible. This is not even my sermon, but I just like reading the Bible with y'all. Y'all are the, some of the funnest people in the world to read the Bible with. Verse 13, until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, obtaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by every post on Instagram and by everything on the news. Oh, no, I, I don't think he said that. I'm sorry. I, you're like, that's not in my translation, Pastor. But it's the same thing. I'm just helping you out. By every wind and teaching, by every cunning craftiness, men, and the, by every TikTok doctrine. Oh, no, it's deceitful scheming. I'm sorry. Well, same thing. Anyways, um, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will, in all things, grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ, from whom the whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament. Um, grows and builds. By the way, that word ligament is such a cool word. It, it actually could uh, be translated in a way pathogen, um, like a communicable disease almost, but in a very positive sense. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, the word is uh, hafe, I think in the Greek, H-A-P-H-E. Um, interesting. But anyways, so he's just saying that we can be contagious when we're together and, and that actually, think about this, our health is contagious. Our life is contagious. We'll come back to that. It's a really cool word. Um, But grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its own work. Man, that's a lot that we need to talk about. And I only have like 10 minutes, so we're going to talk fast, everybody. Let's pray together. I want to talk today. I'm kind of concluding this series, Unstuck. And I want to talk today... um, and, and I really struggle with the message, but I finally landed on this, growing forward. Yeah, growing forward. So let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the word of God. And Lord, today, help us to be thorough, but really quick. Um, Lord, we want to see a miracle, almost like the Red Sea parting when Pastor Marty has a short message. And uh, amen, God, you're good. 
So help us hear well and fast in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right, you can be seated. Thank you so much. Growing, growing forward, growing forward. I almost want to call it, but I didn't like this because it was kind of a, it had a negative connotation to it, but I almost want to call it grow out of it. You know what I'm saying? And, and the reason is, here's, here's kind of the big idea, all right, and then we'll kind of break it down and then we'll be done. To me, I want to talk just a little bit because what Paul is doing in Ephesians is he is really talking about unifying the body of Christ because you have to remember, Jesus came and his ministry was to the Jews, right? So even Paul says, you know, preaching the gospel, the, 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 preaching the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and then the Gentile. And so you have to understand, these are two very different races of people, right? So the Gentiles, like the Jews and then all these other a lot of Greek culture and a lot of Roman stuff. And I mean, there's a lot going on here, right? And, and now when the gospel goes to the Gentiles, now we got a problem because we had Jew people that were saved. And, and Judaism, you know, is, is not necessarily bad in a sense. It's just not what saves you. So the practice of the law is not what saves you. It's faith in Christ. And so they're, 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 they're still eating the Jewish diet and they're still doing, you know, the Jewish culture still exists. And now these Gentiles get saved and they're just all over the place, man. They're just like wild. And so there's a lot of problems because to the Jews, Gentiles were unclean. To the Gentiles, the Jews, a bunch of religious snobby people you don't want to hang out with. And now we're all trying to become one church. And so you got to remember a lot of your New Testament, especially the writings of Paul, trying to help Jews and Gentiles figure a lot of things out. And Ephesians is kind of one of those books. And that's why he, Paul kind of starts with, you know, in Christ, the, this wall that has separated us, it's been torn down. And now we're all God's people, everybody. You know what I'm saying? And, and so Paul is talking a lot about relationships in Ephesians. And, and he's talking about Jews and Gentiles. He's talking about race, talking about marriage, talking about the body of Christ. And so Paul's, Paul's trying to take on a lot of topics here. When we get to Ephesians chapter 4, though, specifically, Paul is really talking about our growth and our maturity in Christ. And you could say that theme runs throughout really the whole book of Ephesians, but he really gets into kind of the nuts and bolts. 4, 5, and 6 is about how we live this life, right? And that's why we get into our marriage relationships and spiritual warfare in chapter 6 and all those things. But the point Paul's trying to make is, hey, you guys, we got to get together and we have to grow. Here's what I want you to understand, because we're in this series called Unstuck. This is what I know, and maybe you know this too. Your relationships can keep you stuck, and relationships can get you unstuck. This is the truth. This, I mean, I think it's truth in the Bible, but I think it's just truth in life. Because some people are stuck because you're in some relationships that that maybe you just, those people are always going to be where they are. Okay, and I, you know, I'm, <laughs> I want to do a sermon one time called Those People. But, <laughs> but there are people that aren't going anywhere. And there are people that pull us down. And there are people that are just permeated with negativity. And there are people that are critical of everything. And there are also people with differing desires, or you could say values, and a lot of times, if we don't understand that God is wanting to move us forward and we don't assess the relationships that we have, sometimes the relationships we have keep us stuck. 
See, what you need to understand, remember Ephesians 4 says he equips the saints for the work of the ministry. You are significant. You have purpose. You have a calling from God. You are significant in the body of Christ. Your life is, is supposed to have great meaning. God has ascribed to it. He, you were created on purpose for a purpose, right? Those things are true about you. I hope you believe that. If not, we'll talk more about it the rest of our lives together. But, but because one of my favorite things to talk about. So you've got to believe in you. And then there comes a time you got to kind of look around and say, okay, if God's called me here, I, I never forget my, um, I, I went to college and, um, and started out, I was going to be uh, in, in the medical field. And so I was not at a Christian university. I wasn't at seminary or anything like that. Um, and so I was taking classes. Well, in that time, that's when God really called me. And I knew, okay, I need to transfer and I need to go to seminary. You know, I'm going to really follow God in this, uh, this calling. But in that time, I'm in a not Christian, you know, you, you know college. And, and so I was being invited by people that I like to go do things that I'm like, I don't think any good is going to come out of that, you know. And what I realized is I like the people, but I can't go with them. Because, see, they're not going where I'm going. So it's not anything personal. I like them. They were wonderful people. And we, you know, we had class together and hung out together and, you know, at, at school and those type of things. But, you know, on the weekends and at night, eh, I didn't need to go with them because anything, I wasn't going to work for where I needed to go. Are you with me? And sometimes it's okay to look at people and say, I love them. They're good people, but they're not going where I'm going. I love them. They're good people, but they've been stuck for 20 years, and I don't want to be stuck for 20 years. I love them. They're good people, but you know what? They've been bitter for the last 15 years, and I don't want to really taste their bitterness anymore. And it's okay to look and say, where are some people who are going where I'm going, who are uh, embracing the values that I have, that understand they're significant and they're purposed and they're called and they're chosen. And I want to get with those people because here's what I can tell you. In five years, your life will look like your relationships today. In five years, your life will look like your friend circle today. Who you hang out with determines where your life goes. In fact, let me give you a fun verse. Proverbs 13, 20 says, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Come on, say it plainer, Solomon. And so our relationships determine a lot about our life. Three things, we're going to go through them kind of quick, but I want you to write these three things down. Number one is this. You won't get there unless you grow there. You won't get there unless you grow there. Um, when you talk about the vision for your life, right? Like a lot of people, you know what? Uh, and we just say this. It's a good example because everybody understands money. Uh, most people want to have money, right? Most people want to have money. But the problem is that having, getting money is, is not actually what gives you security, because have you ever watched those documentaries on lottery winners and now they're bankrupt? Do you know the problem? Do you know the problem? They didn't grow into it. Have you ever watched, you know, documentaries about even, even kids who never, their parents never made them work hard because their parents had so much money they just kind of gave them everything, threw money at them, threw, and, and their life turned out to be a train wreck? You ever seen those documentaries? What happened? They didn't grow into the wealth. See, the parents grew the wealth, grew into the wealth, Right? 
but unfortunately they didn't they passed the wealth on but not the growth on do you see what i'm saying and so a lot of times we say, well, I want to be financially secure. I want to be this. I want to be that. I want to be healthy. I want to have good relationships. Let me explain something. You don't get there unless you grow there. You grow there. You don't go there. You grow there. That's really what Paul's telling the Ephesians. He uses the word in verse 13, until we reach. Here's what he's saying. Growth is a process and you're not there yet. He says, until we reach this unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God becoming mature and growing into the fullness of Christ. So here's what I've learned in my life. Say, say it with me. It, it will free you. I'm not there yet. Like, it's okay. I, I'm okay with saying, I don't know. I'm okay with saying, I'm not there yet. But I'm okay with saying, but I'm going to grow there. I'm going to grow there. Like, I can't get there unless I grow there. And, and here's what I have to understand, that growth is a process, and growth is really important. Um, I could talk about all the things that happen when we grow. You just think about maturity and all the things that happen. Paul kind of gives this cool metaphor. He basically gives us a picture of a baby in a boat with no rudder. That's what we read a minute ago, like tossed to and fro on the waves, you know, like a kid in a boat with no rudder. Does that sound like a fun life to be in, you know? Does, anybody, does that sound like fun, you know? Like, let's go out on, you know, there's a storm on the sea, and let's throw a baby in a boat with no rudder and just see how things go. I think one of the greatest things about growing is, and this is really one of the greatest points he's making, is you think about a baby in a boat with no rudder. So here, and he's talking really about growing and, and maturing in our faith and, in, and growing up to be who God has called us to be. But think about this, a, a baby in a boat with no rudder. So here's what he's saying. When I grow, first of all, first of all, I get, I get a rudder. I can steer. See, it takes growth and maturity to make right decisions. Immature people make bad decisions all the time. Hello, did y'all go to college? Aren't you glad they didn't have Snapchat and Instagram? When I'm thankful it didn't exist when I was in college. Dear Lord. Okay, some of you, you're just not going to be honest. That's okay. It's all right. You'll grow into it. Um, but then he's talking about being in a storm, talking about being a baby. Well, a baby doesn't know how to navigate a storm. Wouldn't it be great if I knew how to navigate the storms of life and my life had a rudder where I could steer myself through storms of life? See, we get mad all the time because we get mad at God all the time because we're in a storm and we get mad at God all the time because we're being tossed around and God's saying, listen, you're gonna, you can either go through it or grow through it, but if you grow through it, you're going to learn how to use your rudder and you're going to learn how to navigate storms because everyone's going to have storms. Are you with me? And so when we're talking about growth, listen, I don't, I don't, just, I don't just go there. I have to, I have to grow there. Um, li listen, the life that you're dreaming of is on the other side of your growth. I think success in life, I think when we're talking about growing into it, I think success in life, and I'll give you this and we got to go to the next point, but success in life is this. Like if you really want to be successful in life, grow bigger on the inside than you are on the outside. If you can get bigger on the inside than you are on the outside, you say, well, what does that mean? Well, the outside wants a big car, big house, lots of money or whatever. The inside wants to have character and integrity and wisdom, right? Those are things you grow on the inside. And if you really want to enjoy life, get bigger on the inside, Amen. right? Grow there. Get bigger on the inside. Here, here's the second thing. Growth is not automatic. It's intentional. 
The only thing you can accidentally grow is your waistline. Come on, somebody. Where are my people at? I found, man, did y'all go through the holidays? I thought I was doing good, and I weighed in January, and I was like, did somebody put lead in my body somewhere? Like, what happened? Something has happened. All those good treats, just they love me. They just stick to me and never let go. But the truth of the matter is, that's about the only way you can, you can accidentally grow is your waistline. Every other way we grow is not by accident, it's by intention. I think sometimes we miss this, and I just want to say it very clearly. And I'm going to put it in the first person. Um, actually, I'm going to say it in the third. Yeah, anyways, I'm going to say it directly instead of saying we and being, you know, including everybody like, you know, kind of a third, you know. Yeah. I'm going to say you, okay? But I don't mean anything bad. I just need to make a point. I want to say this very clearly. You are responsible for your growth. I just want to say it. Like, I'm not responsible for your growth, right? I'm responsible to you, not for you. See, I'm responsible to do what I did this week. I prepared. I've studied. I have a message. I'm ready. I'm ready to teach it, ready to explain. I've prayed for you. You know, I've talked with people this week. I've done all the pastor things this week, right? I'm responsible to be who God's called me to be. But I'm not responsible for whether or not you grow, right? Like, like you have to show up and eat the food. I mean, I can cook it, but you got to show up and eat it. Are you with me? Right? I, I mean, you, you have to make the decision to go and be a disciple, to take, cla- you know, to take those classes and those opportunities, to go to first step. You have to take the, the opportunity to find a group of people. And, and you, you are in charge of your growth. And, and oh, I don't want to say this in a mean way, but since we're just talking, can I be your friend and be honest? You're responsible for your growth, and if life isn't working, then start growing. And so many times in our culture, our culture is permeated with this victim mentality of it's everybody else's fault. Well, nobody ever gave me a puppy. Well, grow up and get a job and buy five puppies if that's what you want. Dear Lord. Right? And, and I know I'm being a little facetious, but y'all live in this world too, and everybody's a victim and nobody's responsible. Listen to me, you're, you're responsible, and it doesn't matter what situation you're in and what you've gone through in life. The situation in my life, many of you know, they have not been perfect because I share all the craziness of my life. That's the great thing about it. That's why you don't want to be a pastor, because God will make you share things about your life that you just wish you never talked about. And, and so, um, but nobody's life has been perfect. Hear me on this. No one's life has been perfect. The problem is you're watching Instagram highlight reels and you don't know how life works. No one's life is perfect. No one escaped the fall. Everybody has a story. It's just some people decided to grow through it and other people just kind of went through it. And I'm just telling you, if you want to grow, you have to be intentional. I can give you kind of categorically two ways I always work on growth. I break it down this way. Uh, Being and doing. Okay, these are my two categories of growth. Let me explain what I mean. So in the being category, sometimes I I need to work on my attitude, right? Sometimes I need to work on my patience. Sometimes I need to work on the fact that I don't, like for me uh, as a pastor, one of the things I really have, and I still work on this, really had to do was I had to learn to celebrate people well. And I also had to learn um, and to celebrate accomplishments because I'm a visionary and I'm on to the next thing. Like, yeah, that was good. Let's go work on this. 
right? But your team, they need you to say, that was awesome. And to be specific, what you did right there, like one of the jokes with, with one of our staff people, I won't say which one, but um, I would say they would present something. I'd say, well, I don't hate it, you know. Well, that's not very helpful, is it? No. And so I would say, yes, I love it, or no, let's work on this right here, and then I'll love it, you know. And so it gets very specific. But, but the point is I work on the being part of me. So I'm always working on the being part of me, and then I'm working on the doing part of me, which is more external. In other words, their skills are things that I need to learn or things that I need to develop. Uh, you know, like for me, because I'm a communicator, sometimes I'm reading a book on communication. You know, one of the things that I want to do a long time is I want to go back and do master's work and maybe eventually doctors, doc, doctoral studies. And so I'm doing that right now um, because something I always want to do. And that's the doing part of me, but I still have to work on the being part of me. And so, but you have to be intentional with those things because you have to kind of embrace some discomfort sometimes. Those things are not always fun. Learning something, you know, doing something, or especially a, a the being part is usually the hardest part, you know, for a lot of us, right? When we look and say, hey, I need to adjust some attitudes or some thought patterns or whatever the case may be. But this is what you need to understand. You will not grow if you're not intentional about it. You will not grow. So you have to say, I'm going to work on this in my being and this in my doing. And then you have to make a plan to do those things. And then you have to work that plan. That's what I do every year. I've been doing it for years and years and years. It's what our staff does, mostly because they all want to, but I also require it, right? Because I want us to grow, right? Because I want us to be able to reach more people, love more people, serve more people well, which means we have to grow to do that. Are, are, you, are you hearing what I'm saying? And so growth is not automatic. I, you know, here's the thing you need to understand. Most of the time, and I've said this before, and let me say it really quickly. Most of the time, uh, we have downhill desires, but we really need some uphill habits. Are you with me? Because if you leave me to myself, I've got downhill desires. I can eat um, untold amounts, copious amounts of uh, M&M, peanut M&Ms and never get tired of them. You know, if you eat the same thing over and over, sometimes you get tired of it. This is not me and M&Ms. This does not describe our relationship at all. Um, I can eat four pounds of those things and think, you know, it would be better for four more pounds. And uh, it's like bacon. You know what go with M&M's? More M&M's. You know what goes well with bacon? More bacon. You know, it's just that kind of thing. Um, and, and so I have some downhill habits, everybody. You see what I'm saying? Our, our downhill desires. But I also have some uphill habits. So my uphill habits are, well, I have to eat this much protein a day. I can't go over this many carbs a day. And I'm kind of loose in my translation of those things. But still, I kind of have some guidelines that keep me from looking like something you can stamp Goodyear on and fly over a baseball game. You know what I'm saying? And so... Um, and so I go to the gym, you know, but those are my uphill habits. You know, I, the other day, uh, Pastor Mark and I go to the same gym and we're usually in there at similar times. And uh, I went over the other morning and said, hi. And he said, how's it going? I said, I got a really bad attitude about this whole gym thing today. And he said, yeah, but you made it. I said, yeah, I'm here, but I'm real mad about it. <laughs> and, uh, and so I don't always have the, the joy of the Lord at the gym, but I'm there because that's my uphill habit. Are, are you with me, everybody? You understand what I'm saying? And so we have to grow intentionally. Here's the third thing. 
And write this down, relationships aren't optional for growth, they're essential for growth. And this is really this whole idea of Ephesians 4, um, because he says, from whom the whole body joined and held together by what every supporting ligament, that, that word ligament, like I said, in, in the Greek is almost like a, like a, a you know, like a contagion, it may even be a better word, um, because it's just talking about, basically here's the point he's making, there's this symbiotic benefit of being in relationships in the body of Christ in that I receive from you and you receive from me and the point he's trying to make is you have to be you have to be connected in that symbiotic kind of relationship for everyone to grow because sometimes you're needing something like sometimes I need encouragement I need support right? I need a good word. I need prayer. And the other time someone else needs, and then I'm giving support or encouragement or prayer or any number of things, love. I mean, you could go on and on and on with all the things. And and the point of it being is that when, when we're working like that in that give and take relationship, right? Right? This is where, you know, to be honest, assessing our relationships, sometimes you have to assess relationships and say, do I have give and take relationships or do I just have take relationships? And then you can be honest and say, in my relationships, do I give or do I just take? Right? This is a good evaluation. But Paul is making the point, hey, if there's not going, this is what he's saying. There's not going to be growth without those connections. That's what he just said. Not going to be growth without those connections. And so we really want to grow, then we have to, we have to get in community. Listen to me. You may be one community away from changing your life forever. You could be one community away from changing your life forever. And so I I want you to understand that Paul is putting an extreme amount of importance on relationships. Now, now, so what do we do? Well, let me just give you three things really quickly to do that that I think in life that I have to do. So you need to remember, Pastor Marty is actually an introvert. Most people don't understand this because I'm very uncomfortable standing up here and talking. You can put me, doesn't matter how I've how big the crowd is. I can just stand up and talk, be myself. It's a weird thing. It's the way God made me. But I'm an introvert, which just means that I recharge by myself, right? Like I can give and give and give, but then, you know, I'm going to go home and I just kind of need some quiet just a little bit, right? Now, Jana is an extroverted, extrovert, extrovert. And so, you know, she just stay forever and talk to people. And me, I'm like, after everybody kind of gets gone, like I need to go home, sit down for a minute. Like I've spent all my energy, you know, um, and so, um, so to me, unfortunately, because I'm an introvert, one of the things I've had to look at in my life is I don't always seek out new relationships. I, I can be very happy just with Jana. <laughs> like I'm happy. I have Jana. <laughs> We're happy. And we have the dogs. They're weird. And, um, y'all pray for my dog too. He's got high anxiety. We think he got struck by lightning anyways, not really, but he freaks out. But anyways, um, and Smilo, Coco doesn't care. Coco, you could drive a bus through the house. She'd probably just be like, that's weird. Um, <laughs> Milo would have four heart attacks and three seizures. Anyway, so, um, but anyways, the point is that I can sometimes not pursue relationships. So I'm giving you some things that have helped me. Number one, I, I have to be courageous. In other words, I have to understand, like, sometimes trying to make new friends or, um, or enter into new relationships 
it's a little bit of courage, you know, because like, what if it doesn't go well? You know, what if they're weird? <laughs> what if they think I'm weird? You know, I mean, there's all the things that we deal with. Um, and here, can I help you? Usually we're thinking, what do they think about me? And they're not thinking about you. They're thinking the same thing as you. What do they think about me? And so if we can all get out of our head a little bit, we can be courageous and engage some new people. So number one, be, be courageous. Take a risk. Make a phone call. Send a text. You know, go talk to some people in the chapel. You know, be, take a risk. And number two, be friendly. I had to realize one time I met with a pastor, a friend of mine, who's now a good friend of mine, but he said, for the longest time, I thought you didn't like me. And I said, why? He said, just the way you looked at me. And I said, well, bless it. Um, I got this from my mama. It's, it's the rest and frowny face. That's, that's what we're going to call it. Yeah, the rest and frowny face. We're just going to call it that. And, and so I realized that, you know, I'm, ha I'm like, I'm happy on the inside. Like I'm, you know, but I look like someone just stole my dog. And so I had to learn to smile a little bit and say, hi, it's so good to see you. I'm so glad you're here. I'm very happy right now. And so I had to learn to do that. So, so this is what Proverbs 18.24, by the way, says. Proverbs 18.24, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. I just want to say something lovingly as we're taking responsibility for our lives. If you've made the complaint, I don't have any friends, it could be because you're not friendly. So take a risk, be courageous, be friendly, and number three, be open to new people. Be open to new people. Your best friend you may not have even met yet. So be the person may impact your life the most, even in your faith. Maybe you haven't even met yet. And you could even go to the same church, but you just haven't met yet. And so I want you, I want to encourage you, like, be courageous, take some risk, right? Be friendly, smile, everybody. We're so happy. Right? And then just be open to some new people, be open to some new groups. And here's why. Here's why. Because according to Paul, you, you can't get there. You got to grow there. And relationships are essential to our growth. Amen? All right. Can you give Jesus praise today? Hey, Pastor Marty here from Pathway Church. And I just want to say thank you for joining us. And I want to encourage you to get connected and stay connected. And there's several ways you can do that. Number one, you can download the Pathway app and we are all the time offering resources and information on that app for you. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you do, make sure you click the bell so that you never miss any life-giving and life-changing content as we add it to the channel. And then also, uh, make sure you follow us on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook. Look, our hope and heart for you is that you walk in the purpose for which God made and created and redeemed you for. We love to connect people to purpose. We thank you for giving us this opportunity. And if you're ever in Longview or you are in Longview, I'd love to invite you to join us in person each weekend. Listen, I pray God's best for your life. I believe if you follow Jesus, your best is ahead.